Hey, this is Chandler from SCTM Preps. We hope that you're enjoying the SCTM Preps podcast and all we have to offer. If you really, really enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to get some listener support. As little as 99 cents a month could help us out tremendously. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm, search SCTM Preps Podcast, and click on the listener support button is all you got to do to help us out. We'd really appreciate it and really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to SCTM Preps. This is the SCTN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome into SETN Preps. Chris Goforth, Chandler Morrison hanging out with you as we get a little closer to the start of the prep football season. We wrap up this week, this jamboree week, with a conversation with Stephen Hargis, the uh, sports editor, the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Stephen, a longtime prep editor here uh, in the area as well, a prep writer for the uh, for the Times Free Press and kind enough to spend a few minutes with us we're going to go classification by classification with steven and talk about all of our local teams with him so uh it's a long conversation with steven longer than what we normally go with folks but uh, he was kind enough to give us some time so uh, we just wanted to pick his brain while we had the opportunity so without further ado let's get into it it's our conversation with steven hargis Stephen McCauley's coming off of back-to-back state championships. Can the uh, can the Blue Tornado, can they make it three in a row? I think so. Um, I, I think this is going to be more of a work in progress for them uh, because they, they don't have the players, you know, going into the season, you don't have the offensive weapons that they've had the last couple of years. Uh, and, and they're, they're going to miss Eric Rivers probably more than, than anybody else that graduated just because that guy was kind of, uh, the, the Swiss Army knife, he could do so many different things for them. But I, I think Ralph Potter really likes a lot of his young guys that he's got coming up, uh, which which should scare a lot of people that aren't Macaulay fans in, in Division Two, because uh, he speaks very highly of some of the young guys they've got, and he really thinks they could they could surprise some folks. And they've got, you know, as he mentioned, they've got this this attitude that they've they've done it for the last couple of years. They kind of know what it takes. Uh, to get there, he's got just enough uh, firepower coming back with experience that I, I would not put it past them to, to certainly make a run deep in the playoffs. I know there's a lot more hype around Baylor going into the season just because they've got a lot of prospects, but uh, I wouldn't bet against McCauley. Yeah, I was going to ask about Baylor. Where do they fit in in this Division Two realm, especially in East Tennessee? Uh, oh, I, I think talent-wise, I think they can play with anybody in the state. Uh, so I certainly think, you know, when you, when you look at what they've got, um, both coming back and the kids that they have coming in that uh, that have transferred in for them, I think Baylor could, could play with just about anybody in the state. Uh, they, they just got to stay healthy. Uh, you know, the big question marks for them will be just, you know, how all these guys mesh together. Um, you know, they've got Caleb Hampton, I think, is going to be a really good running back for them. Uh, really, really strong lower body strength. Uh, I, I think their defensive front. You know, we know about Trey McDonald. He's a kid that's already committed to, to Virginia. Uh, a big kid. Um, you know, the Bridge and Lee kid that transferred in from from Bowling Green, Kentucky, is committed to Army. Uh, so we know about you know some of those guys. But you know, they've got 
Corian Jones Montgomery's a linebacker who's, who's getting college offers as well. Bryson Sanders is an offensive lineman who's already got SEC offers and is just a junior. Uh, you know, they've got the, the Immendorfer kid, John Immendorfer, who's an underrated linebacker. I mean, they've got a lot of talent. I mean, they just got a lot of the pieces that, that you need to have to compete. Uh, and then they've got the kid, I can't even pronounce his, I don't know if it's Hughes Pickard or Picard. Uh, the Canadian transfer that just came in a few weeks ago that, that you know, is going to challenge a quarterback. So Baylor's got a lot of pieces. Uh, it's just a matter of we haven't seen them all together and see how they mesh together as one unit. Stephen, when you look at Division Two AA, do you – I mean, me and Chris have tried, and we, you know, split hairs over this. Do you see a front runner as far as our area teams in Division Two AA? Because it looks like it's just a, a you know, three yards and a cloud of dust between a lot of these teams. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the Chattanooga Christians and Wood Buchanan's, Chandler Wright, yeah. those guys. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Wood Buchanan's got some good young guys coming up that we, we don't know a lot about. I, I think CCS may be the, the team that comes from, from our area that, that is more primed to, to compete uh, against the state-level teams. You know, last year it's a little odd. They, they, they've lost the last two years in the state quarterfinals, but last year was a COVID forfeit, so they don't really know how they would have done. But they've already got two kids in their sophomore class with SEC offers. I mean, that's – I don't think we have another program around. You know, Boo Carter, the running back, has an offer from, from Tennessee already. They really like their skill position, guys. They've got some undersized linemen. I think that's going to be the key for them is is how well their, their young guys progress on the, on the up front, their offensive line, because they've got a lot of skill position guys uh, that, that can do some special things for them if, if they have time and, and have the, uh, the space to, to work there. Stephen, I want to move on to 6A, which is um, that's just a ridiculous level to compete at in this state. When you start talking about the the Oaklands and the Brentwoods and you know Ravenwood and Riverdale, and not to mention our teams here in Bradley and Cleveland, both have to go up against Maryville. Can either one of those two? Can either one of them close the gap a little bit against Maryville? Next question. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I, I don't think at that level, guys, I, I don't – you know, Cleveland has, has – we, we talked about CCS and skill position guys. They, Cleveland's got some really good, you know, guys who, at, at the skill positions. And, and Bradley Central's one of those teams that's going to have a nice because Damon does such a great job, even though they lost so much from last year's seven or eight win team. I don't see either one of those teams challenging a Maribel or any of the upper echelon in, in 6A. I just, I just don't. Until they actually prove that they can do it, um, you know, it's, it's something similar. I know we'll talk about the 3A teams there, too, uh, here shortly. But until one of our local teams proves they can play with either Maribel in 6A or Alcoa in 3A, I'm just not going to believe that, that we have the capability of doing that right now. I just don't see it. We, we have, you know, even though Cleveland and Bradley are, are not in Hamilton County, our, our teams seem to be just a little spread out when it comes to the, the talent pool. Uh, they don't all collect into, into one area. You know, Walker Valley is going to be good. Bradley's going to be good. Cleveland's going to be good. Um, but all those teams are, are not yet ready to, to compete, I think, at the, the, you know, the premier state level. Yeah, you talk about Cleveland and their skill guys. It's the wide receiver they have, right, and uh, Destin Thomas that, that folks are so excited about. Yeah, he's got an offer, I think, if not an offer, at least heavily recruited by, by Memphis. And I know some of the others, you know, Austin P and, and some of those levels. So, you know, he's, he's a mid-major guy, uh, long uh, you know, tall, lanky kid with, with good, you know, better than average speed. Um, he's good. He's really good. 
Uh, and I think he'll get some some legit looks and, and you know, several more offers before the season's over. Stephen, you know, uh, you know, talking about 6A and some of these divisions where it just seems like there's a, a constant um, perennial team that no one can seem to take down, is there a need or do you think it could ever work in the Tubalus-AA that there would be an open division like we've seen in some other states like Arizona? Um, in terms of you can just choose to play whatever classification you want to when you, when you say open, Chandler? Is that – Well, like do you have a, a different classification where the elite schools and maybe like the three, four, five, six, eight teams, they go into that classification and just beat up on each other? Yeah, I mean, I, I would never say never. Uh, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen Tennessee already expand to nine classifications, which is, you know, we've talked about that before. That's kind of outrageous. But uh, I would never say never. And, and you know, I've always thought the next – the next group of teams that, that, you know, the public schools might come after in, in terms of wanting to get them out is if, if they start having too much uh, success would be the magnet schools. You know, if, if teams like a, a Tyner ever, you know, got really good for a lot of years, we don't have that problem in Chattanooga, but there's some magnet schools around the state that uh, might be on the, on the you know, chopping block at some point. Uh, it just depends on if you have a run of too many state championships by somebody outside. I mean, everybody just assumes Maryville and Alcoa are always going to compete. 6A and 3A, but if you started having too many, you know, of the same teams that went over and over and over, I, I could see some kind of push uh, to separate them just because, you know, let's be honest, I mean, everybody wants to compete for a state championship. That's why we have nine classifications now. That's, that's how it gets watered down, so I could see it at some point getting more watered down, but I don't think that's on the horizon just yet. Let me ask you about 5A, Stephen. I, I thought one of the real – one of the great stories in high school football in our area last year was was Walker Valley and kind of the the I don't want to call it a resurgence but the surgeon of of Walker Valley last year with Drew Akins as the head coach. Can they continue that this year? Can they build on that going forward? I think so, and I, I think a lot of that goes back to Drew, Chris. I mean, just he's he's one of those guys that you knew when he was a Red Bank. He was he's he's going to be a legit head coach. Uh, relates well to the kids. He's, you know, people want to send their kids and play for him. It's it's a fun style of offense, even though they have to replace their quarterback and they've got some, some new guys in some key places. You know, they they got enough experience and, and they got enough talent to to build around it. Maybe one of those where they progressively get better and better as the season starts. Uh, and you don't want to face them late in the year because offensively, with with you know some of the things that Drew does they're kind of a nightmare to deal with. I mean, you just don't see it a whole lot. You see it more and more, but but not a whole lot in high school ball. I mean, they're they're going to, you know, five wide, four wide, sling it all over the field. You never know what – what. I mean, he may at some point line up and run uh, an option style, you know, offense for a few plays just to throw you off and then go back to the next, you know, the next set of plays, be five wide. Um, I, I think Drew is, is one of those guys that is going to be successful year in and year out at Walker Valley. I think their next step. I don't. I think the big thing for them is they haven't had back-to-back winning seasons in program history. I, I think that's probably coming this year. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see what he can do with them because he's he's a really good young coach. How difficult is it for Howard? Uh, I know they've they've had a boom there in terms of of uh, numbers uh, as far as student population goes. That hasn't quite translated to the football program. And now they're moving up from 4A to 5A. Yeah, and that's unfortunately for the football program, uh, the boom has, has it's, it's a lot of the Hispanic kids that have made their, their soccer team uh, state tournament caliber every year. 
but they don't really play football. They're, they're kids that have grown up never really playing football. Um, so they, they're not really helping the football program. And so I think what you see with Howard is, is a school that's expanding, but they're not getting any more athletes to play football. So I, I really think Howard's going to be in one of the toughest spots in our area this year, just in terms of, you know, they're in there with some, with some really sound, solid programs. You know, the, the, the Walker Valleys that we just talked about in men counties, uh, Udwa and Ray, who are always traditionally, you know, have plenty of athletes and, and have made runs. Each of those teams have made runs to at least the quarterfinals or semifinals in the last, you know, six, eight, ten years. So there's the potential for that. And I just think Howard's going to struggle. Uh, a, co- a late coaching change didn't help matters. They have good athletes. I just don't know that they're going to be able to have the depth of athletes to be able to compete at that level, at the 5A level, because even though the school is larger, they're not getting any more kids out for football. They're going to be in that 30 to 35 player range, and that's not the kind of depth you need to play at that level. Stephen, when you start to look at how the realignments kind of just changed everything around and shuffled this team over here and that team over there, do you feel like it got more competitive this year in our area at least? Because it felt like there were a lot of regions. There was one person at the top or two guys at the top. And and now when we swapped everybody around, moved some people up, moved some people down, does it feel like it's more competitive this year? Yeah, that's a great point, Chandler. Actually, I, I really think the, the 4A region with Red Bank now, it's got Red Bank, East Hamilton, Saudi Daisy, you know, East Region, those guys. But those top three, I mean, you look at East Hamilton was an eight-win team last year that went to the second – uh, around the playoffs, they're an up-and-coming team with, with Grant Reynolds. You know, and then Scotty Daisy won. You know, they had a down year last year, but the two years before that, they won their region back-to-back years in 5A. And Red Bank's won something like 22 of their last 23 region games in 3A. Now they move up. That's going to be a really tough, tough – those three teams, any of those three, I could see them uh, potentially winning that region this year. And then the 2A region we've talked about before with, with 3-2A, with Meigs County, Marion County, Tyner. Uh, you know, Bledsoe County, those, those four teams, three of those four, you know, between Megs, Marion, uh, and, and Tyner, I think one of those teams has played for a state championship in six of the last seven years. And then Bledsoe County is the team that won the region last year. So I think those two, th- those two regions right there got significantly tougher, uh, with the reclassification this year. And I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun for us to kind of sit back and watch them, you know, scrap among themselves. Yeah. And, and you know, those are the two best regions in our area, I, I think. I, I, don't, I just th- that's going to be a fist fight every week uh, with those teams going at each other. And, and in four A, Stephen, you didn't mention East Ridge, and it always seems like Tim James has got his team there at the end, scrapping for a playoff bid. Seems like they beat somebody they're not supposed to every year. Um, and Chattanooga Central can fall into that same category. So I, you know, again, I think four A has a chance. I, again, I. I I think Red Bank and East Hamilton are the two favorites, but it's going to be a fight every week in that region. Yeah, there's no – I mean, Chris Brown, it's actually one of the, the, the regions that I just finished a, a preview for, and Chris Brown, Red Bank's coach, you know, mentioned the fact that it's it's kind of a trip through the, a minefield every every game because you mentioned East Region Central. Those two teams are have as many skill position athletes as just about anybody in the city. So – you get those guys have have a big night, and all of a sudden, an underdog at home with those kind of athletes, they could get on a roll and, and put a scare into or, or knock off one of those top two or three teams. Um, I, yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch those teams play. Have you seen Rico Trimble? And I know he's getting a lot of college offers, young man at Red Bank. Uh, any thoughts on him? 
Uh, he is going to be way up the list on our dynamite dozen. Yeah, I've, I've seen him. He's going to get. He's fully healthy now. Last year had uh, a, a knee injury that ended his season, unfortunately, too early. Um, but he's back fully healthy now, and he's going to get a lot of carries out of the backfield. They're going to use him. It's his senior year. He's got his offers. So now, besides what he can do in the defensive backfield, they're going to put him in the, in the offensive backfield, give him some carries. He and A.D. Crutcher and, and some of the, you know, they've just got a wealth of, of you know, receivers and, and running backs. Uh, and, and even their quarterback, Joseph Blackman, is, is you know, a dual threat guy. Uh, so they've got a lot of those kids that they can do, uh, you know, cause a lot of damage. But I think Rico Tremble is just one of those really special kids that whether he's catching the ball out of the backfield or, or you know, He's got the, the burst, the acceleration, little wiggle to him. He's, he's a really good running back at the high school level, too, even though he's probably going to play on the defensive side of the ball at the next level. But he's special. He's a really good one. Let's move on to 3A now. Loudon has had a – and it's been quite the run for, for Loudon over the last couple of years. Where does Signal Mountain fit in in Region 3, 3A? I think, you know, they're kind of a mystery. I saw them on, on the prep tour. I saw them, and, and they just – they look like they're missing some pieces right now. They're, they're, they've got some size, but not a lot. Uh, they've got some good-looking athletes, but not a lot. So I, I really think they're one of those teams that injuries, and that's I know that's kind of the, the coach speak for so many teams, but they're going to be one of those that have to keep their front-line guys healthy every week because I didn't see a lot of the extra bodies like you see at, say, a Red Bank or an East Hamilton where you think, okay, if, this, if, if they have a, a kid who rolls an ankle and he's out for a couple of weeks, Looks like they've got two or three more that can step right in for him. I didn't see that at Signal Mountain. So I think, you know, the, the nervous thing for them would be we got to keep everybody healthy uh, to be able to compete because they're, they're in a tough region. And, uh, you know, a region where they're, they're playing a, not a lot of the Hamlin County teams, so they're playing some, some teams that, uh, you know, Loudon, they're one of those line up and just kind of blood your nose. Uh, Sweetwater every year has good athletes, even when they're not a, a really good team. They're a dangerous team. You know what Brainerd has as far as athletically, uh, and they've got some 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 kids coming up that are you know also getting college looks, so they're, they're dangerous. Uh, I think Signal Mountain really needs to stay healthy and and have some young kids step up and, and do something for them. Uh, they'll be right in there challenging for the playoffs. I just don't know that it'll be maybe a third or fourth spot in that region that they're challenging for to to make the playoffs. Stephen, on the other side of the mountain, when you go through three A, um, you know you talk about Sequatchie County. Does it feel like they're going to do that, that new turf field they got in there justice this year? Are they going to be able to muster up enough this year to, to stay competitive? Yeah, I mean, the Sequatchie is one of those teams. They're always going to be competitive. I mean, they've always got a good group of athletes. They've always got size. Uh, they, they will absolutely fight tooth and nail scrap, you know, against anybody, obviously with a new coach, but he's got a, a, a track history of being at a winning program. So he's going to come in and instill some confidence there just in what he's done in the past. Um, I, I think they're one of those, you know, one of those scrappy kind of teams uh, that may not wow you with athleticism. Uh, but I, I definitely think they're, they're a team that are going to give a lot of people um, a tough, you know, hard-fought game every night. That's just kind of Squatchy's M.O. And, I mean, as far as facilities go, man, that thing is – I drove past it a week or so ago, and that thing is really nice. I mean, there's nowhere around – especially around kickoff of a game where, you you know, you've got the surrounded by the mountains and you've got the artificial turf now, and it's just a really cool place to go watch a game. What's happened at Grundy County? Man, those kids, I don't – it's a great question because I was just talking with a buddy of mine the other day that played at Marion, and we were talking about Grundy County, how tough they always were when, when this guy played against them. 
And they've always, kind of like we said with Sequoia, they were always had, you know, big, strong linemen who, who would just wear on people and, and usually would have, you know, two or three of those little backs who, who were just good enough to be, you know, aggravating that you couldn't catch them, couldn't bring them down. And, and they would, you know, always kind of annoy even the, the, the Marion teams when they would be in the same region that were really good. You know, there were several years where they would have their hands full with Grundy or, or at least Grundy would put, you know, they'd given Trousdale and teams like that a run for their money several times. And it's just they've hit, kind of hit one of those cycles where I don't know if, if it's not important to the kids. They've had they've lost some that I know have come down the mountain and gone to either you know South Pitt or Marion or you know other places. Uh, the ones who were you know more serious about it, you know, like that. I guess they just didn't want to go through the down cycle of it. And any small to mid-sized school like like them, a rural school, once you if you lose you know two to three of your best athletes. And you start to get on that cycle of losing those guys. It's hard to to convince you know some of them to stay and, and help you fight through and rebuild. They'd rather instead of having to go through that recycling, you know, that down cycle of, of process, they'd rather go somewhere else and win right now. Stephen, when, when you talk about Grundy County too, you know, you see a lot of times when you see like a basketball program or a baseball program where it's really good. Sometimes that translates to the teams being better in football, it seems like the baseball program has success. The basketball programs has success. Kevin Butner does a great job out there. Have you seen a school that's just not translated those successes to football at least a little bit at that scale? Yeah, not not much, Tammy. You just don't see that much because usually those guys will all share the same athletes. I mean, you'll see, you know, the baseball program, uh, you know, those kids will also play football. Or, you know, the basketball, you'll meet three of the basketball kids that also play football that help out. You have to have that. I mean, unless you're, you know, 5A, 6A, where you've got a 1,000 students or more, uh, you really, you, you you have to share those those athletes. And the fact that, you know, some of the better athletes walk in the halls are either not playing football, they're playing the other sports, not playing football, not playing any sports, or, or as, as I mentioned before, you know, going somewhere else to play. You know, that combination's just really got Grundy on this, this down cycle of, you know, not being as competitive as they probably should be. Stephen, let's go to 2A here for a minute. I, after reading your article in the paper previewing uh, 2A uh, this last week, I, man, I look, I, you know, Megs and Mary, and I think are both uh, poised to have deep playoff runs. You mentioned the fact that Bledsoe won the uh, the region a year ago, but. I hope nobody's sleeping on Tyner because it sounds like Scott Chandler's kind of, I mean, it's going to be drastically different from the Tyner that we saw with Wayne Turner. They're going to be a little more spread and kind of how they, kind of how they do things, but uh, I, nobody better be sleeping on Tyner because I think Tyner could be a real thorn in 2A. Yeah, they were, I'll be honest, when I, when I did the tour, Tyner was one of the teams I thought they've gone through three coaches in about five or six months. Uh, they hire Scott, you know, after the, the springs, basically when the school year's over, spring practice is over. Uh, you, you kind of expected some, some kids to matriculate somewhere else and, and, and leave the program. So I kind of thought, well, it's going to take him a while to, to bounce back. But man, I'm telling you, they had some of the best looking athletes walking around, uh, of anywhere in Chattanooga that I saw. And Scott was really, I mean, he kind of had a little smirk to him that he was really high after watching a few practices, felt good about him. It was it was a really big deal that they were able to get that Josh Jackson kid. He's a big kid. He's six two and well over two hundred pounds, maybe two ten or so. Uh, really strong arm, and he's just a junior. Didn't play last year, so him coming out now to play quarterback for him, he gives them a big body with a big arm. And as you as you mentioned, Chris, they're going to sling it around a little bit. And with their athletes, there's no shortage of those guys. That when you put the ball in their hands in space now, 
with what they're going to do instead of running a lot of wing T stuff and old school stuff where it's, you know, you're basically playing in a phone booth. Now you get them out there in space and those guys could, could cause people a lot of problems because even the, the, the Megs and Marions as, as good as they are, it's tough to tackle some of those guys in space that Tyner has. I mean, they've got a little wiggle to them and, and enough burst. They can make big plays happen on any snap. And I really think Scott likes this team. And, and he, you know, one of the things he mentioned was he thinks all the, the coaching turnover that they went through, it kind of brought the kids closer together. He said that they are a very tight knit group. He loves the size up front linemen they have, the number of backs and receivers they have, how quickly they've taken his, his spread offense and the changes in defense. Uh, he really thinks they could, they're going to be a definite contender in that region. And a, and a friend of mine who saw him scrimmage the other day texted me and said, you know, there were some, some pretty good looking schools that, that he was watching. He said, Tyner, he said, you're right about Tyner. I think they're going to be a, a problem for some people in 2A. Steven, you know, and not to look too far ahead on this, we hadn't even started the season yet, but when you start to look down the road, maybe the playoffs, this region in 2A, do you see this as being a, a region that could send a team to the semifinals? Because, I mean, I'm looking at kind of the other regions right here. I see Watertown and Trousdale County, and that's about all I see. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, just from what, from what little I've seen and what I know teams coming back, I think that late in the regular season, Meg's Marion game may be the first of, of two meetings for those two teams. They may turn around and have to play each other again in the in the quarterfinals to, for the right to get to the semifinals. I, I think those two are – are up there probably as, as the preseason favorites. And then I think you're maybe a half a step back is, is Bledsoe and Tyner for different reasons. You know, those, those two teams are, are going to be right there, I think, in that, in that fight. And I think that any of those four teams could put a run together. Let's say Tyner, you know, they start the season off a little, maybe, you know, a little bit still adjusting to things. I think by the end of the year, nobody's going to want to have to face them. I think Marion and Megs from the start, you know, are going to be really strong. And I think Bledsoe the same. So by the end of the season, if, if those teams are healthy, I could definitely see like a couple of rematches among those four, having to have, you know one team having to survive a couple of rounds of, of facing the same team from the region they just got out of uh, to advance deep in the playoffs. Meigs County, by the way, they close out the season with Tyner at home and then an off week and then a road trip to Marion County. So that's a region I think it's going to come down to the very the very last very last week um you know it's it's going to be halloween there before we before we can feel comfortable to to say who the uh who the winner is so before we get to before we get to 1a do you find it as strange as i do that marion county and south pittsburgh are not competing in the sequatchie valley jamboree and just i mean that whole thing just kind of fell apart all of a sudden Stephen. Yeah, I hated to see that. I mean, the, the the Valley Jamboree was so much fun. You know, when I was at Signal Mountain a few weeks ago, and Tony Webb mentioned that, you know, he, he was at Lookout Valley for years, and now he's at Signal Mountain as an assistant, and he was asking what happened there. And just talked about how much they loved, you know, when the Sequatchie Valley Jamboree, whether it was at Marion or Sequatchie or wherever it was held up and down the valley, you knew it was, it was going to be electric as far as a Jamboree goes because, a, all those communities support their schools so well, it was packed. I mean, you know, the, the stands would be packed. There'd be lines of people standing around the tracks or whatever, lying around the field. And then you've got so many of those teams that don't like each other. Sequatchie and Bledsoe, South Pitt and Marion. You know, Whitwell was in there. And they, you know, they, when, when they're good, you know, them and the other two teams in the county. I mean, you got some schools, some teams that just don't flat, don't like each other. So there was a little rivalry there, you know, in terms of the quarters when they would play each other or – 
even those little competitions they would have, you know, fastest back or whatever, you'd have, you know, I, I saw several times people, you know, putting twenty dollars down on on this kid or that kid from the stands and, and betting on it. Uh, I mean, it was just one of those things where football is so important in the Sequatchie Valley at pretty much all those schools, and I hate to see that leave the same as I hated to see the Marion South Pitt regular season rivalry, and that's just. We get so few of those kind of games every year. I, I know I've harped on it before when we talked about the Macaulays versus Red Banks, you know, years ago that we used to get, and and those type of games you don't get those anymore. It, we just kind of fracture uh, so into so many pieces that you don't get the really special high school rivalries. And there's not one in our area. You know, Bradley, Cleveland, Baylor, Macaulay, Calhoun, Dalton, and South Pitt, Marion. You get very few of those where you look at it and you go, okay, those are the backyard rivalries that you really want to go see. And I would put the, the South Pitt and Marion game at, at the top of that list. And now to not have that one, um, that's going to be weird too. That has to change though, doesn't it? I mean, they can't they can't go on for too many years without those two programs playing. I just, I mean, it, it has to, it has to happen. I don't, ego, whatever's going on there, urinating contests between whoever it all needs to be set aside for that game to be played. And, and the sad part about it is, Stephen, it seems to me that the issue is more with the adults over there than it is with the kids. Oh, it always is. It always is. I mean, the kids could care less. I mean, obviously they want to beat each other when they play. But, I mean, I've had, you know, my son and my stepson both have gone through the program and they would have kids from, from Marion come over and either go fishing or hang out and watch ball. I mean, they all hung out together. You have, you know, a few of them that don't like each other, but you have a few guys on the same team that don't like each other. But it's always the adults, you know, in the stands and that, that kind of ag it on and, and make it worse. Let's talk about uh, South Pitt in 1A now for a second. I think they're the class of, of uh, clearly, of that region. I would talk to Murphy Fair the other day. Murphy said he thinks it's it's South Pitt and Gordonsville in East Tennessee in the semifinal, and then you've got that Peabody team that's won a couple of 2A state championships. They get reclassified down to 1A. Based upon what you know and what you've heard about West Tennessee, can this can this South Pittsburgh team, can, can they beat Peabody in uh, Finley Stadium in December? Man, I, that's going to be a tough, tough pull for them. I mean, I saw Peabody – uh, the last couple of years, take apart a really good and strong up front Meigs County team. And South Pitt this year, their, their weakness going into the season, now we'll see how it goes throughout the season, but their weakness is up front. They don't have the depth. They don't have the experience up front. They've got a lot of young linemen who would be outsized against the Peabody. Now, athletically, you know, they've got as as many athletes as, as anybody would. I mean, Peabody's going to have probably, you know, more of the, the, the guys who are Mr. Football uh, at the top of the list, but I would depth-wise, I would put South Pittsburgh's athletes. When you look at, you know, DeAndre Kelly, who's who's was a 900-yard rusher last year, despite missing five games, and has been compared with an Eddie Moore just because of his size. And you know, talking with Rusty Wright at UTC, they love him. I'm sure they're going to offer him. He's already got a couple of offers, and UTC's about to pull the trigger on him. I mean, he's six foot, 195-pound running back. So you start there, and then you've got a receiver who's six four, two twenty. And his twin brother is now going to play quarterback, so they've got a, a more athletic guy at quarterback who's about a 205, 10 pounds, you know, guy there. And then the Jaden Mount kid, I think, is going to be a really special athlete for him as a, as a slot receiver, or whether he gets some carries running the ball. And DeAndre Kelly's younger brother, 
I think is going to be really special coming up too. So athletically, they've got the guys. It's just a matter of whether the offensive line can, can create enough holes for them to do damage. Um, now, I think if they're healthy uh, in the playoffs, I, I think, you know, them and Gordonsville, I, I would agree with Murphy there. I, I don't see Gordonsville being able to stay with them if both teams are completely healthy. And then once they get to, to Chattanooga, I just don't think that, you know, unless something odd happens and, and they develop along the way more so than I, I think they're, they have the potential to, I just don't know if they can match up physically with Peabody. And, of course, Peabody's got to get through, you know, there's Fayetteville, there's McKenzie that dropped down from 2A to, to 1A, and they're always really good. Um, Fayetteville won 1A last year. They've got everybody back. But I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I think even though the West is the class of 1A, I think that Peabody is the class of those really tough teams out there out West, and I just don't think, I just don't know that South Pitt can compete with them. So we know that South Pittsburgh is going to be the one that goes from our area that, that goes on. Do you see any significant improvement from any of the other 1A teams in that region? Because, I mean, there, there's not a whole lot to to look forward to besides South Pittsburgh in that region sometimes. Yeah, I mean, South Creek's coming up, and I'm, I'm really anxious to see with now they have their own, you know, their own uh, locker rooms and, and a stadium to themselves. So I think that will help create some excitement and get more kids to come out. And they've had some individual guys. You know, they, they've had kids that sign college scholarships and things like that. So we'll see where they go. Lookout Valley just always really struggles with their numbers. I mean, they're at 22, I think, right now, Josh Payne said the other day. So that that's always tough. Whitwell, I think, in a couple of years with, with you know, Rocky uh, overseeing the defense, and I'm sure, you know, with Bill Price, we all know what he's done, uh, several stops, and he's been at other places as well with him calling the offensive uh, plays. They've got a, a special freshman class that I've heard, you know, folks around the Valley talk about. If they keep them all together, uh, they could be really good in a few years. So I, I think you're about two years from those guys being up there as maybe, you know, sophomores or juniors uh, to really challenge and, and maybe get back to where they were a couple of years ago to where they're, they're challenging not just in the region but maybe at the state level if, if those kids stay together and develop. But I, I really think, you know, Whitwell looks like the team that's a few years away that they could, uh, but I think we're at least that far away from any of those other teams in, in the region. You know, Copper Basin's not bad. Uh, they lost quite a bit last year, especially with Bryson Grabowski, the quarterback leading. Um, I just think we're probably two years away from when Whitwell does have those kids that come up from anybody in that region uh, moving up talent-wise to be able to, to challenge South Pitt. Stephen, quickly, before we let you go, remind folks uh, when your, uh, your prep tab will be in the paper and the, the previews for all of the teams in the tri-state area. Yeah, we'll have, you know, we're doing our daily previews right now on the re- each region counting down to the season, and then we'll have our, our big, I think it's 56 pages this year, prep tab that, that previews basically everybody in our coverage area, Tennessee and Georgia. Uh, and that is right now we're looking at having it on uh, August the 20th, which is that Friday, the first night of the season. Uh, I know there's been some talk about moving it to the Sunday, uh, the 22nd, because more people get the Sunday paper, but I'm I'm in the process. It's funny you ask that because I'm in the process right now. We're about to hop off here and have a meeting to tell them that I feel like we have to have it, even though we sell more papers on Sunday. We have to have it on that Friday because that's the actual preview. I mean, you get it that morning paper, and you're looking at previewing the season. It's going to start that night. So the timing of it, I'm, I'm hoping I can I can convince them that that's when we, we want to sell it is, is on that Friday. Well, look, my, that's my birthday, that Friday. So that'd be a nice little birthday well, that's, gift that's if you can. If I just tell them, look, we, we have to have it out on, on Chris Goldforce's birthday. Everybody See, will recognize that. That's done. done. Yep. There you go. Problem solved. Well, where were you last week when they started asking me these questions? Well, you, you should have called me. Birthday. 
conversation. You should have called me. <laughs> you should have called me. I could have. I could have solved it for you then. It's that simple. Now, are we are we exchanging the same gifts we do every year? Of My course. About a week after that, so we're okay. Of course. Are you okay? Same size. Yep. And colors last year, right? Yep. You got it. Okay. You got it. Sounds good. All right, man. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks again to Stephen Hargis for being with us here on SETN Preps. I want to encourage you to make sure you like us on Facebook. And if you don't already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcast. We appreciate your five-star ratings and leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find us on Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm. You can find us on Twitter at SETN Preps. Thanks again to Stephen for giving us some time. Chandler and I will be back with you on Monday. We'll give you a little recap of the jamborees from this weekend, and then we will start to look ahead at week one of the regular season in Tennessee. It gets underway next week. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday on SETN Preps. Hey, this is Chandler from SETM Preps. We hope that you're enjoying the SETM Preps podcast and all we have to offer. If you really, really enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to get some listener support. As little as 99 cents a month could help us out tremendously. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm, search SETM Preps podcast, and click on the listener support button is all you got to do to help us out. We'd really appreciate it and really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to SETM Preps.